4: Good morning. Welcome to another interactive installment of African Dialogue. I'm Benjamin Mushatama. You're listening to us right here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Remember, you are listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. That's if you're listening to us on our shortwave service. But if you're listening to us online, it's on www.channelafrica.org. That's www.channelafrica.org. Today on the show, we'll be discussing the study which was conducted by the University of the Witwatersrand, which is in South Africa, that has found out that by taxing sugar-sweetened beverages, this could be the first step in tackling op- obesity especially in young adults but before we get into the story let's get our news update from Ann musa
6: In the headlines, Liberian President Elian Johnson-Salif fires overseas ministers and top government officials who failed to return to the country amidst the Ebola outbreak. The United Nations mission in South Sudan confirms a UN helicopter crash in the country and, a, and Qatar, a key backer of Palestinian militant group Hamas, hails the Gaza ceasefire. Good morning Liberian President Ellen Johnson Salif has fired ministers and top government officials who defied in order to come back to the African country which is fighting against the deadly Ebola epidemic she, ha- she had ordered overseas ministers to return within a week as part of a state of emergency announcement on the 6th of August. It's not clear how many ministers are affected or who had been fired. Liberia has been the hardest hit by the outbreak of the deadly virus that erupted earlier this year with 624 deaths. In a related development, the World Health Organization has shut down a laboratory in Sierra Leone after a health worker was infected with Ebola. The move may hamper efforts to boost the global response to the worst ever outbreak of the disease. Almost 1,500 people have died and 2,615 have been infected since the disease was detected deep in the forests of southeastern Guinea in March. Meanwhile, a British nurse infected with Ebola while working in Sierra Leone is being given the same experimental drug used on two U.S. missionaries who have recovered. 29-year-old William Pulley is being treated with Zimap in London. Others who have received ZimAP include Dr. Kent Brantley and missionary worker Nancy Wrightball, who were treated in the U.S. before leaving hospital last week. United Nations mission in South Sudan, UNMISS, has confirmed that three crew members of a UN-contracted helicopter have died in a crash near Bentiu in Unity State. One crew member survived. UNMISS says the helicopter lost contact with the UN yesterday afternoon as it was flying from Wao in western Baal-Ghazal State to Bentiu. UN spokesperson Stefan Dujaric says the mission is launching an investigation to determine the cause of the crash.
4: One surviving crew member has received treatment from Médecins Sans Frontières in Benchu. The helicopter was on a routine cargo flight with the mission when contact was lost. Toby Lanzer, the officer in charge of Unmiss, expressed his condolences to the families of the deceased and wished a full and speedy recovery to the injured crew members.
6: Qatar, a key backer of Palestinian militant group Hamas, has held the Gaza ceasefire accord and offered to help rebuild the enclave battered by seven weeks of Israeli bombardment. The accord for a long-term ceasefire came into effect last night. The Egyptian-mediated deal calls for an easing of Israel's eight-year blockade of the coastal strip, a key Palestinian demand in true strokes. Qatar is home to Khalid Mashal, the exiled chief of Hamas. And finally, Turkish President-elect Tayyip Erdogan says he will ask incoming Prime Minister Ahmed Toglu to form a new government tomorrow. Erdogan says a new cabinet of ministers will be announced the following day. He made the statement to a crowd of his ruling AK Party supporters ahead of a congress. Recapping the top stories, Liberian President Eileen Johnson-Salif fires overseas ministers and top government officials who failed to return to the country amid the Ebola outbreak. The United Nations mission in South Sudan confirms a UN helicopter crash in the country and Qatar, a key backer of Palestinian militant group Hamas, hails the Gaza ceasefire.
4: Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, and this is African Dialogue. And uh, remember that uh, you can interact with us via SMS during the program. We want to hear from you. SMS us your views on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. Remember that African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday at eleven hundred hours Central African Time. And remember, you can also find us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle here on African Dialogue is at African Dialogue, or you can uh, uh, tweet us at Channel Africa One. Well, the big subject that is really making its rounds in South Africa is obesity and the issue of uh, adding uh, 20% of tax on sugar-sweetened beverages. Now, let me give you an update what's happening there. If you're not quite sure what's happening in South Africa, as obesity rates continue to climb in the country, public health researchers are expanding their list of recommendations for the most promising strategies to re- reverse the epidemic. Recently, researchers at South Africa's University of the Witwatersrand have recommended a 20% tax on sugar-sweetened beverages to deal with the problem of obesity. Now, to help us discuss this, we have one of the co-authors of this particular study, Mercy Manyema, in the studio uh, from uh, WITS. And also we have on the line Dr. Leonard Fierman, who is a senior fellow, uh, rather senior research fellow at the School of Population Health at the University of Queensland, which is in Australia, as well as Leon uh, Marinko, who is a project manager at the Free Market Foundation. Now, let's start with you, Mercy, looking at this particular research. Tell us a little bit about how you conducted the study and what you recommended and why you came to this conclusion of a 20% tax on sugar-sweetened beverages.
7: Thank you, Benjamin. Um, So this study that we did was a modeling study Mm. trying to project... Uh, what the tax what impact the tax would have on the obesity levels of South Africa, and we were fortunately able to use um, south african specific data for for first of all the the present obesity levels and the current levels of consumption, mm. so how much sugar sweetened beverages are we drinking and this study showed us that if we implemented a twenty percent tax, we could reduce overall obesity by Almost three percent and that reduction would be more in men so men obesity in men would reduce by um, about three point eight percent and in women two point four percent mm. and really why we use twenty percent is we this is um, our study is similar to others that have been done internationally mm. and so it 's really a wave of uh, research so to say that is going and twenty percent is is where they 've pegged it some have put it at ten percent, mm. and actually in Mexico they have actually implemented the tax at ten percent, so this is where we decided to start to say if we started at twenty percent what would um, what would that impact be and that um, those percentages are equivalent to just about 250,000 mm. um, obesity cases averted.
4: Mm. Now, how much are we consuming as South Africans when it comes to sugar? And how is it affecting our health um, in terms of your views, Mercy?
7: All right. So from the data that we had, which was from the South African National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey or the San on average, it's about 200 mils. But what you find is that the younger... Uh, adults consume much more. Mm. So we did this study only in adults, adults aged 15 years and older. The young adults between 15 and 35, they consume a lot more. So they would consume about 220. But um, what we also realized and which was one of the limitations of our study is that this data that we used was self-reported. So the people had to Uh, were asked questions and they had to remember what Mm. they had consumed in the past week or how much they drink per week. So that estimate is actually an underestimate. Mm. Um, We think that probably on average, the average South African adult drinks about 400 mils of sugar-sweetened beverages in a day. Mm. And um, in brief, sugar has been linked to obesity. Mm. Hence, um, the, 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 the study that we embarked on, sugar has been linked to obesity and obesity in turn is a risk factor for many non-communicable diseases. Mm. Uh, diabetes, stroke, heart disease. And the burden on the health system of these noncommunicable diseases is great. Um, so an obese person... Um, increases their healthcare care cost by about 23% compared mm. to a non-obese person. Mm. So this is really the 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 effect that having excess sugar in the body leads to.
4: Mm. Well, also we are joined on the line by uh, Leon Marinkovic, who is the project manager at the Free Market Foundation. Now, um, Leon, uh, another colleague of yours by the name of also Leon um, Lowe, uh, who is the yes. executive director of the Free Market Foundation, wrote a very interesting piece on the business day yesterday titled Soon Water Will Have to be Taxed as Dangerous. And a very much a sarcastic introduction here saying, Congratulations, you are alive. According to Vitz University Health and Safety academics and others, everything is unsafe you should be dead clearly your foundation has a different view on this particular research
0: yes
8: thank you very much for having me here Uh, absolutely we totally disagree Uh, there's a fundamental difference and problem with understanding uh, uh, problems in society the general concern Uh, when when there's a problem is to let's just levy a tax, let's implement a new law. The fundamental issue here is not about health concern, it's about freedom. Uh, And people mistake something fundamental, is that a tax on a sugary substance, like a tax on any other product, smoking, alcohol, etc., etc., is not a tax on wealthy people. Wealthy people will be able to afford that, they'll just include that in their budgets, uh, and they'll keep on buying sugar. What it is a tax on, it's on people who value their money more. In other words, if you have less of it, you value it more. And so uh, th- there's, there's, a, there's a fundamental problem, is that people are not going to stop buying what they want. They're not going to stop buying sugary drinks. They're not going to stop buying chocolate. They're not going to stop smoking. They're not going to stop buying alcohol. Uh, countries have tried prohibitions before. They've tried to regulate it before. All that happens is that underground markets develop, Illegal markets that don't pay VAT, that, that, that aren't able to provide proper working conditions for the employees to create these substances. You can't have legal businesses. You can't have greater competition. So what we're implicitly saying is that uh, black farmers who want to farm sugar in KZN will now have to find extra cost, extra capital, extra money. Now, there's already a barrier of entry. There's already a concern of land reform in the country. So now we increase the, the, the barrier to entry of other entrepreneurs, of other uh, uh, intro, uh, entrepreneurs in all the different spheres of an ecosystem in which sugar is part of it. And fundamentally, it comes back to the issue that consumers are being denied the choice to purchase products. Now, the real con- the concern that the, the researcher raises from this is one of, okay, people are dying. Okay, but people die from lots of things all the time, from everything. Okay. Primarily in the country, the greatest scourge of the last 15, 20 years since ninety four has been HIV AIDS. But we haven't uh, regulated sex. So now the greatest camp, but the, the, the HIV infection levels have decreased. So what was the answer there? Education. Okay, so when people become responsible for their lives, they actually make responsible choices, and then they direct their spending habits accordingly. Now that's what we advocate for. A society that's got more freedom doesn't need this regulation society that's got information freely available doesn't need paternalistic uh, over-regulation that robs people of freedom and the responsibility to t- uh, of their own lives. Now, let so me that's put basically where we're coming from is the Free Market Foundation. Yeah,
4: well, Let me put that to Dr. Leonard Fierman to balance these issues out here. Uh, from one side, we're seeing an issue of health overriding the issue of uh, trade here, and then uh, Leon is coming now and saying, well, uh, by introducing this 20% tax on sugar uh, sweetened beverages you actually uh, hampering the trade processes in the country and you might even hamper the local produce of uh, sugar in the country how do we create a balance dr. Leonard firman
2: well that's exactly the question how do you create the balance here because well of course uh, freedom is great and we all want to produce themselves um, it has to take into account the effects that these things have. And what our study shows is that uh, confirms that sugar-sweetened beverages uh, have an effect on obesity, make people heavier than they otherwise would be. So that's an argument for consuming less. So far, internationally, telling people that this is the case and asking them to drink less haven't had a great effect. And you can support these people, making the right choice by giving them a little nudge. And that's not denying people the choice, but just by making it a little bit more expensive, maybe doing something about advertising of those products that are less healthy, that are bad for people, that helps them make the right choices. So I don't think there is too much uh, reason here to worry. When it comes to producers, um, yes, for sugar producers, this may not be good news, but then on the other hand, if people don't consume sugar-sweetened beverages, they might consume probably something else. And so some other sellers will gain. So in the food market as a whole, there's not much, there's some shifting around, but as a whole, the producers, I don't think, will lose out a lot. Mm. Sorry, well, could, I, could I come in there? Yeah, just definitely. So that the go the ahead, assumption yeah. is that there's a right choice.
8: That, that, that is the assumption. Now, when you assume the outcome... Mm. You're already robbing people of the choice, and so no, that's no, the no. fundamental problem here.
2: No, we
8: nudge them. We don't. You, tell but we, tell we shouldn't be nudging healthy. people. We should Why provide information fairly, openly. Say this is what we've since discovered. This is what we currently know. Uh, future science will might say something else. It might say
2: this. In yeah. perspective, that's not the problem. But currently, now, this is what we advise. The evidence unfortunately shows that just telling people what to do is not enough. And we've seen that in obesity. It's a big problem. People have, and that scientists like Kahneman, a Nobel Prize winner, have described it as follows. There's two ways in which people think. The one is the long-term thinking, rational planning, et cetera. But most of our decisions daily, whether I consume this piece of chocolate or not, are taken much more at an intuitive level. I want this chocolate now, et cetera. People are just not as rational as you'd want to be. And you can support people.
4: Mm. Well, the
2: second point is that, okay. no, no, point is Go that governments have uh, the obligation to care for the health of their people. And that includes, since governments pay a lot for health care, The government also has the right to help people reduce uh, making that burden, whereas at the same time it's good for them. So yes, it may be somewhat paternalistic, but I'd say yes, we have to balance the, the equation here, and a bit of paternalism is not bad at all.
4: Well, I'm going to take a little break right now, and we'll continue with this discussion. We have Mercy Manyema in the studio, who was also involved in a study from the University of Witwatenstrand, which is recommending a 20% tax on sugar-sweetened beverages. And we also have Dr. Leonard Fierman, who's a senior research fellow at the School of Population Health at the University of Queensland, and that is in Australia. And also joining us on the line, we have project manager at the Free Market Foundation, Leon Marinkovic, who's joining us for this particular discussion as you can hear it's very much robust this uh, conversation we're having today we're looking at uh, the issue of uh, uh, adding tax on uh, sugar sweetened beverages could it be the first step in tackling obesity especially in young adults what is your view on this particular subject sms us your views on plus 27823325905 that's plus 27823325905 you are listening to african dialogue right here on channel africa the voice of the african renaissance remember you are listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to southern africa and that's if you're listening to us on shortwave online it's on www.channelafrica.org now i want to come back to you mercy what do you think of some of the views uh, expressed by both uh, leon and uh, dr firman
7: First of all, I just want to say we're in no way saying that by instituting a tax on sugar-sweetened beverages, we are going to completely do away with obesity and we're going to drastically reduce the levels of non-communicable diseases. A tax, as Len said, is a nudge and it has to work in, in, in the context of other interventions. So Leon is right. We need education. We definitely need education on the harm of sugar on a healthy diet on a healthy lifestyle we need to look at physical exercise we need to look at labeling mm. currently when you take a can of a soft drink it has about it has between 8 and 9 teaspoons of sugar but when you look at the labels it doesn't tell you that mm. we need to look at advertising to children or even in general because this affects now the concept of free choice how free exactly is your free choice when you go to buy a sugar sweetened beverage. Um and so this is it it's not the silver bullet for obesity. Now when it comes to um the disparities of affecting the poor more, it's true that those who have less income are going to respond. In fact, uh okay, it it, it could be true that they're affected. I I we like to put it this way, that they respond quicker to a greater extent to a mm. price increase mm. and it's not entirely true that they are going to buy it because they like it if you don't have the money for it you're going to stop and this has been proven in mexico they announced their 10 percent tax late last year instituted it in january this year and by june the industry itself was reporting a five percent reduction in sales mm. and so re- increasing the price is going to reduce purchasing and consumption and the fact that the poor are going to respond more is not such a bad thing because, number one, we know in in, in South Africa and even in, in, in Africa in general that the poor, um, they die sooner from non-communicable diseases and partly because they don't have easy access to quality health care. Mm. So you could almost say if someone can afford to say even though this drink is more expensive – I'm still going to buy it because I like it. They can probably afford to take themselves to a doctor, get checked up every year. Mm. Many of the non-communicable diseases, so for example diabetes in South Africa, about half of them go undiagnosed. And that's because many of the people cannot go for annual checkups. They don't know the, the, the symptoms and by the time it's detected, it's, it's really late and they have all these complications. So the fact that it's going to affect lower income groups is is probably a way of addressing the 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 way that they're disproportionately, uh, disproportionately affected by the non-communicable diseases.
4: Mm. Well, I want to bring that back to you, Leon, in terms of uh, what uh, Mercy is highlighting here. And uh, a very good point that she brings across is how free is the choice that we're making when we're buying a can of Coke, for instance, because the detail of what we're consuming is not really there. And uh, when I look at some of these labels, I really, really don't understand what's actually been said on the labels themselves. So how can we say this is free choice?
8: No, I disagree with that totally. I think there's an, there's, an, there's, an, there's, an, there's an arrogance, as one would say, amongst more educated people to assume that those with less education can't make rational decisions, don't have access to information. Hmm. Uh, that's just simply false. Uh, what the academic was talking about, sorry I missed the name, was the, was the provision of health care. Because people don't have access to the to, uh, provision to adequate uh, health care is a different question mm. that's a ha- the service delivery question uh, so we shouldn't conflate issues here the, the the what i would like to address fundamentally is the paternalism that underlines this logic because where does it stop uh, we've, we've got taxes and we've got uh we taxes we've got Uh, proposed bans on alcohol why don't we put uh ugly pictures of car uh, car accidents mangled bodies on cars Mm. Uh, in australia itself they've got the proposed (laughs) ban on on tobacco and what's resulted is that the tobacco industry has actually increased sales Mm. Uh, and the fundamental issue is an economic one is that yes there was a decrease in mexico let's admit that that was a decrease but that 5% drop is not, not going to uh, decline all the way to zero. Well, that 5% drop was the marginal uh, peripheral consumers. So there's always those peripheral people who casually smoke, casually drink a beer, casually buy a chocolate, casually drink a Coke, right? Mm. Casually drink fizzy drinks, sugar drinks, right? That drops off when the price goes up. But there's a a base core that services that product, that wants that product, that needs that product for whatever reason. And we have no right to speak on that, right? So the reality is it's going to hit the core. Like you can raise the taxes X amount. You can raise it 100%. So 100% on tobacco, alcohol, sugar, right? And the the cost of the product is only like 10%. Mm. It doesn't matter. Those consumers are going to continue buying that product. And what you're actually doing is you have an ethical judgment against people. You are discriminating against them in a different form we wouldn 't do this according to race, which ended in south africa we wouldn 't do it according to any other identity, but now we pick on people 's lifestyles. Mm.
4: Uh, Well, also, there's a dynamic of uh, uh, the issue of uh, just the responsibility from a government government and health department perspective and intervention there. Dr. Leonard Fairman, in terms of uh, educating people, in terms of how to deal with uh, these issues, how do we actually create a culture where we put education in the forefront? Because it seems that... uh, uh, That seems to be the central part of this discussion.
2: Um, I don't think it's part of the discussion. I think, yes, we need to inform people of the risks of, well, if we find out that something causes harm to people, then we must warn them of that. That's the case for tobacco and alcohol, and it seems that that is the case for sugar-sweetened beverages. So I don't see the distinction there. I think Leon touched upon uh, tobacco and that the measures here in Australia, like uh, plain packaging, uh, supposedly have actually increased smoking. Um, Well, that is from a report that was funded by the tobacco industry and experts in Australia have thrashed it. So that is simply not the case. But tobacco is a good illustration, I think, of how we might go about these issues. So for tobacco, it took decades to get effective action where we knew what the danger was. And then first a lot of education was there, Um, that didn't bring down smoking sufficiently. Then we came with taxes, um, advertising regulations, etc. And generally that got through to people Um, and now the culture is here that, well, smoking is is seen less favorable. People know it, it's socially less acceptable to do it everywhere. And I think to some extent we'll have to make the same change for sugar sweetened beverages, however unfortunate that is. These are things that you should consume in moderation, so every now and then. Um, And that is what we need to achieve, that it's a treat like it was in the 50s where you had these small Cokes, for example, which were great. Now we've got these big, large ones. So we have to somehow get back to that. And unfortunately... Um, just telling people that that, that they should uh, consume less is yeah, just not efficient, and therefore these additional measures are needed. And especially also, that's not in this study, but the role of advertising, getting people to yeah, see the product, to familiarize them with the product, to normalize things, uh, we have to turn that back.
4: Okay. Well, I, I want to I, come back could to if you. I
8: ask a question to the doctor? What is a yeah, yeah, sufficient, of sufficient amount of decline? In other words, who decides that? Who Mm. decides that enough people have stopped smoking, drinking, uh, having fizzy drinks? Who decides that and where do they have the right to decide that? That's a fundamental question that gets missed in this debate.
4: Mm. Dr. Firman, you have you here? Yes.
2: Well, can I respond to
4: that? Yeah, you can. No, that's what I want you to do here. Sorry? Uh, I was asking you to respond to what Leon was highlighting there.
2: Yes. Um... Well, what Leon is is, uh, pointing to is the possibility of a gliding scale. Sort of, if you put a 20% tax on this, then where will it end? Uh, We'll tax everything. That is, of course, a bit of, well, nonsense, to put it politely. Um, And the way we decide about this is, in a democratic society, we look at, well, what the majority thinks, and then we do that. And if the majority thinks that a 20% tax is uh, ludicrous, then fine. Then we probably wouldn't do that. But we do that in the in, in the knowledge that that will cost us health, probably. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, let me come back to you, Mercy, in terms of how we deal with these issues. It's very contentious. When you finished doing this particular study and sending out to the public as as it's it's a normal process for any form of research, did you think that you'd get this type of response? And what was the response from the public about this research? And we've heard various views on uh, various um, newspaper platforms and online. But uh, were you expecting this kind of response from this? particular initiative
7: well we were expecting some response because um the minister of health had already mooted to this kind of thing um but the magnitude i have to say exceeds our expectations and i think that's good Mm. i think it's good that we've started this conversation i think it's good that it's it's out there we we get a sense of what people think about it would they stop um so, Africa, what are some of
4: those responses that you guys? All right, guys yeah. Been, African
7: mm. News Network Seven did an online poll, and they just simply asked, um, "Do you think this tax would work?" And I, we don't know how many people exactly responded on that poll, but just over half actually said yes; they think it would work. Mm. And um, on on radio shows, when people phone in, again, there's it's it's probably maybe half-half, but slightly more, think that it would actually work. And it was actually encouraging to realize that there are uh, quite a number of health-conscious people who understand that sh- excess sugar is actually harmful. And really, like I said, it's, it's encouraging that we are having this debate, we are having this conversation, because, like Len said, we need to start... Um, looking at sugar in a different way. The way that sugar-sweetened beverages were served when when they started being offered to the market was different. The the, 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 the size is, is much bigger. And so it's good that we're having this conversation and that um, people are engaging so that if the government should decide to do this, people are aware. And hopefully the conversation will continue um, hopefully, the conversation will continue as well, uh, talking about the other aspects that need to be included in this in this whole thing and Just by the way, the Department of Health has a strategy for prevention and control of non communicable diseases, and they have listed there what they think are best buys so a best buy is something that gives you value for money it doesn 't cost a lot, but it has um, a, a considerable impact, and taxing unhealthy foods is one of those. Also, uh, physical exercise is one of those. And regulation and, and, and fiscal policy by government is not new. Mm. So we cannot react to this tax as if it's something that we haven't seen before. Like Leon was citing the tobacco. Um, and again, the purpose of the tobacco tax is not to eradicate smoking. It's to reduce it. And the impact continues to increase over time. Um, We know for sure that smoking has gone down by 40% since the tax, the education, the regulation started. Mm. So we cannot stand there and say that it doesn't work. Mm. The government um, has regulations regarding vaccinations. Mm. Where's freedom of choice? Mm. The government has um, regulations regarding seatbelts. Who's going to draw the line? When are we going to say stop Uh, Using seatbelts at what point Mm. So regulation and fiscal policy For protecting public health Is not a new thing And it's the government's responsibility To safeguard, prevent Um some of these diseases and safeguard the health of the nation.
4: Hmm. Well, Leon, just to come back to you, I mean, we're hearing a concern here. We know that obesity is a health risk here. and uh, As we're hearing here is that this is actually a a precautionary measure that is to be taken. Uh, And I know that you're against this, but in terms of dealing with this issue of uh, how uh, sugar really affects our health, what would be the alternative for you uh, as a member of the Free Market Foundation? How would we be able to deal with it when it comes to regulations, for instance?
8: Well, firstly, we must just respect individuals in society and then I'm, and, and understand where paternalism starts. Once it starts, it doesn't stop. So eventually we can get to the point where everyone is seen as children and the big brother government must look after us. There is no, once you let go of the first principle, you can't stop the, the, the ultimate slide. Uh, so I totally disagree that uh, any regulation in this regard is necessary. What is actually very clear is education does work. When we use this lofty word of education, we refer to professors standing in front of profound lecture halls. But the reality is that people have taken, especially in South Africa, precautionary actions uh, in their sex lives, and HIV has dropped. Now, this is the premier example of... ...that affects a disease, that affects our nation, and actions were taken to, uh, to handle that, to handle the health care, to handle the, the, the policy. All of that has been, been a success, and we don't recognize it as such. But who you can sleep with, why you can sleep with them. For instance, HIV occurs predominantly amongst the poor. No one would ever think of regulating that you can't sleep with poor people. And who, who? I mean, who can the poor people sleep with if such a regulation with I
4: think that's so that's something that's very like stereotypical. Like <laughs> I think that making the, the assumption that uh, we can regulate who sleeps with who is a very difficult example when it comes to dealing with regulation here, but maybe I I should look at uh, uh, the issue of uh, how this affects the sugar industry in South Africa. Uh, Aren't we opening up a bitter fight with the sugar industry in South Africa, Dr. Leonard Fairman, by these introductions of these uh, tax uh, introductions? Isn't it making things complicated for the industries themselves?
2: Um, Yeah, look, um, I'm a health expert, not an industry expert. Um, but we certainly weren't out to, uh, to to get the sugar industry in South Africa or anywhere else. It's just that we translated the evidence uh, and you know, made that applicable to South Africa. So, as I said before, yes, that is, of course, a problem for or can be a problem for sugar producers to the extent that um, what we first need to do is stabilize consumption. So it's not immediately as it's going to crash uh, through the bottom. And again... Uh, yes it may be a problem for sugar producers um it's a bonus for others because if people are not consuming sugar sweetened beverages for example or less um chances are they'll consume something else so the sales of something else will go up so the problem with this kind of measures is always that you see one industry that that uh, bears the brunt of the problem um yeah they claim a lot of attention, but the, the, the winners, basically, uh, you hardly ever hear from, unfortunately.
4: Well, uh, as we wrap things up, coming back to you, Mercy, uh, in terms of uh, after you've done this report, it has received a lot of media attention, a lot of media, not just media attention, but also the public is actually listening and kind of taking heed to this particular discussion. And It's not really the first time we've seen this uh, discussion taking place in South Africa, but uh, mm. it keeps on coming back to the forefront. How do we move forward? Have we had a conversation maybe with the department, with the researchers of this particular study? Is there a way forward to make sure maybe to see this actually being implemented? Uh,
7: at the present moment, what we do know is that the the, the Houteng MEC for health has endorsed the study
5: mm.
7: and we're hoping that it moves forward from there Um Obviously, with regards to implementing it, there's a whole lot that goes into there. Mm. Um, I don't know if you remember when they started um, the action on regulating salt content mm. and trans-fat acids um, content in, in foods. So that takes a while. But we, we're hoping that this provides them with evidence for something that they had already identified mm. as a possibility. And, of course, research continues. Um, we We are looking into... Other areas uh, of of policy and trying once again to to provide evidence that can that can inform possible policies that have worked in other places because um, basically what Priceless SA the unit that we we did this under um, what they do is to look at best buys for health what interventions can give us the best value for our money because. Uh, the truth is there are many needs, but we don't have endless resources. So we need to decide what is going to give us um, value for money. So there's definitely more research that is going on with regards to obesity, with regards to um, advertising, with regards to labeling. And again, by the way, the the Department of Health has already tabled new recommendations for, for labeling. And so hopefully... Um, uh, the the labelling regulations are going to be better, so that the consumer is better informed about what exactly they they're taking in, um, and and we we hope to continue to be uh, working to to provide this evidence of what exactly can be done, how can it be done, and what the impact will be.
4: Mm. And Leon, your final uh, uh, views on uh, this particular issue.
0: The the
8: most important thing to understand with a tax is that the tax is never on an industry. It's aimed at the industry, but the reality is it's not on an industry. It's on a consumer. And if we have a consumer-centric, in other words, a citizen-focused national policy at every level, then we won't place unburdensome, uh, uh, redundant measures on people. Uh, There are other better ways to do it, uh, if there is a concern, but actually taking money out of people's pockets in terms of the, the products they want to consume, is a fundamental problem of freedom and not health. There are other ways to deal with the health issue, but ones are affect, uh, affecting their freedom and their pocket is a different issue, and that is paternalistic. doesn't matter which way you look at that, it doesn't matter which way you cut that, that's paternalistic, which is everything that was wrong with the previous regime in South
2: Africa.
4: Mm. And, and finally, Dr. Firman, your views? Um,
2: yes, well... I think that a sugar-sweetened beverage tax can be part of a host of other measures, and indeed education is a very important one. Um, So uh, I think that definitely South Africa is taking steps to deal with the problem of obesity that is going up, like other countries. Um, So I'm very happy with all the discussion that is going on, and um, I hope that uh, effective measures will be the result.
4: Well, thank you very much to uh, Dr. Leonard Fairman, who is uh, the Senior Research Fellow at the School of Population and Health at the University of Queensland in Australia, as well as Leon Marikovic, who is a project manager at the Free Market Foundation. And I want to also thank you, Mercy Manyema, who is the co-author of the study, which was conducted by the University of Witwatenstrand. She's just created a stir in the whole country, and uh, everyone is talking now. But thank you so much, uh, Mercy, for joining us in this.
7: Thank you, Benjamin.
4: Fantastic. Now it's time for us uh, to move on. Uh, let's get our economics update and uh, uh, we have Wisani Matebula joining us today.
1: Good morning. Thanks, Benjamin. Central Bank of Zimbabwe has set up an asset management company to buy non-performing loans from banks, a move designed to restore stability to a sector stung by rising bad debts. The Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe's Governor John Mangunja says the newly created Zimbabwe Asset Management Corporation had bought $45 million debt from the three banks. As of August 15, he's declined to give further details. Mangunja has announced plans to set up a vehicle to mop up bad debt from the banks in June. He says President Robert Mugabe's cabinet has now approved Zemco creation. South Africa's Energy Minister Tina Yomit-Peterson says South Africans should use the same determination they used to overcome apartheid to find solutions to the energy crisis. She's been speaking in Johannesburg at the Business Briefing on Leadership.
6: The decisions we took under apartheid, the decisions we took over the 20 years of our democracy have culminated in a situation that we are now. And acknowledging the good decisions we took, but also the limitations in certain decisions we took, will allow us to deliver the power and the energy this country deserves.
1: Over 500 African and international exhibitors are in Khaburun in Botswana to showcase their trade and tourism products. Exhibitors who are participating in the Botswana Trade Fair have highlighted security restrictions which are affecting trade and tourism industries, including the recent Ebola outbreak in West Africa. The Trade Fair is aimed at promoting trade and Southern Africa. Coordinator Tsulufele Mukhatwane explains.
5: In the nine years it has been running, we've attracted over 60,000 visitors in the seven-day
7: duration. We hope the number to increase in 2014. This year, we've attracted 500 and more exhibitors, which is a 4% growth from last year.
1: British gas company BG Group has uh, produced higher than expected flows of gas from a test wall of the coast of Tanzania, boosting the financial viability of its planned liquefied natural gas export terminal in the East African country test flows at BGS Mitia 3 wall produced better than expected results reaching a maximum rate of 101 million cubic feet per day nearly double the flow rate measured at Mitia 2 last year Tanzania and neighboring Mozambique are in a race with Russia Australia and the US and Canada to build liquefied natural gas exports plants aimed at uh, exploiting a gap in global supply that is expected to open up by the year twenty twenty. And Kenyan agricultural firm Kakuzi has posted a thirty two percent decline in pretext profit for the six months ended June to eight hundred and sixty seventy dollars, mainly due to lower earnings from tea. The company which also grows pineapples and avocados are a res- and says it will be seeking similar full-year profit levels to last year. Kakuzi has blamed the half-year profit slump on lower tea prices and increased cost charges to revenue on macadamia nuts as early planted fields came to maturity. Financial indicators, the dollar 10.69 South African range at 8.79 Botswana Pulas and 6.03 Zambian kwacha's, Also at 0.6 to the British pound and 0.75 to the euro. Commodities, uh, platinum $1,418, gold $1,283 a fine ounce and uh, the price of Brent crude oil at $102.73 per barrel. And that's how it's looking.
4: The one and only Tammy is in studio to give us our sports update.
3: Thanks for joining us. Let's start with cricket where South Africa won the toss and elected to bowl in the triangular series match against Australia at the Harara Sports Club that is currently underway today. A.B. De Villiers and Hersham Amla returned to bolster the top order while Del Steyn and Monomokel came back into the side in place of Kyle Abbott and Togo Zizekese. Australia have made one change to the side that beat Zimbabwe on Monday with Phil Hugh coming in for Nathan Lyon. Currently the score is 87 for Nil. That is no wicket after 48 4.2 overs. Meanwhile the South African women's cricket team will take on England in 2020 next week as they prepare for the 2017 World Cup in England while playing the three matches in the T20 team Team South Africa will also familiarise themselves and conditions as well as their test abilities against one of the top rem- top ranked side in the world. The protest coach Hilton Weren says that his team is ready for the challenge
1: we know that England going to England is going to be a tough tour with uh, conditions and playing one of the top sides in world cricket in their home home ground. It is going to be challenging and we are quite prepared for that and we are looking forward to give a good account for ourselves and represent the country with pride. You can
3: listen to the person. And now in soccer, Algerian government has ordered an investigation following the death of Cameroonian player Albert Ebose, who was hit by a projectile thrown from the stand during a football match. The Algerian League professional, the LFP and the Disciplinary Committee of the Algerian Football Federation convened a meeting yesterday attended by officials of the JS Kabil, USM Alger and match officials who attended the league clash that led to the death of a Cameroonian striker at the 1st November 1954 stadium. The committee decided that the club will play their championship games outside the province while the 1st November 1954 stadium remains closed until the outcome of the investigation. News just in English premiership site Everton have signed Cameroonian striker Simon Eto on a two-year contract Eto, a record four-time African footballer of the year, was previously a free agent after his one-year deal at Chelsea elapsed in the off-season. The 33-year-old has netted 56 goals in 118 outings for his country. Eto scored over 100 goals in five years at Camp Nou, first ending as the La Liga top scorer in 2005 and 2006. He also featured for Mallorca and Angie Makashkala before his introduction to the Premier League last summer. Finally, with rugby, South African Springbok log Victor Matfield has credited coach Heineke Meyer, who helped convince him to make a comeback in rugby. Matfield retired from the game after the 2011 Rugby World Cup but made a comeback for the Bulls in this year's Super Rugby competition. His form was so good that it elevated him back into the Springbok team. He also captained the Boks in the June Internationals, when regular skipper Jean de Villiers was sidelined with a knee injury. Medfield says that he will continue playing next year and hopes that his form could take him to the World Cup in England next year. The Springboks' next rugby championship clash is against Australia in Perth on September the 6th and New Zealand a week later in Wellington. That's the end of our sport. Stay tuned to Channel Africa and back to Benjamin Moshatama.
4: Well, thank you so much for joining us for this discussion today. It was very robust and very energetic indeed. Two sides that were speaking on different views. But we want to know from you, what do you think about adding a tax on sugar-sweetened beverages? And uh, there are scientific claims that uh, this could be the first step in tackling obesity, especially in young adults. Let us know your thoughts. SMS us your views on plus 325905 or you can tweet us at Channel Africa 1 or send us a tweet at African Dialogue well, that's how we wrap it up today. Remember that African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African Time. Now, we've got a proverb of the day. It's a little bit uh, associated to what we're talking about. I like these proverbs because I can sometimes link them to the subject matter. I have to really look and research these proverbs. But today is a really interesting one, and I like this one. It says, If you try to straighten a sweet potato, It breaks. If you try to straighten a sweet potato, it breaks. That's a Bemba proverb from Zambia. You've got to think about it. What does it actually mean? How do I fit it in my life? And maybe you can fit it in today in some place in your life. I, I think it's very profound. But until tomorrow, God bless.
0: Purples and yellows And all the shades Sparkling in the skies In the rainbows of the Congo Conroe hair in a million braid Eyes lit up like the northern star A smile that weaves a spell When she goes to look into my eyes She's turning me on with fever As she passes me by When I tell her I'm going wherever She'll be going when she leaves the bucket Right away I'm going to carry Her bag of vegetables Oh, ho oh, na We walk to what? The road that goes down to the village Hey, hey, now She longs the door that leads into her heart. the mama, talking drums and the xylophones, all the dum-dums and the doomas they were wailing. We had a night time of ecstasy, and we woke up to the roar of the lion. She had to rise to the market. The vegetable stall at the marketplace That's where the sun rises I won't forget the day the sun came shining in I won't forget the day the sun came shining in